1: and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France.
2: And I'm Jen Romolini. And Jen, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I mean, we're on a different, we're on a new recording platform, which is very exciting for both of us. It actually... (laughs) Kind of is exciting. (laughs) Much bigger faces than they were. I'm doing great. Um, (laughs) Before we get into it, I'm just doing our bit of housekeeping because we are. um, We published our first Patreon um, exclusive Patreon episode this week. So if you're not at our Patreon, I hope that you will be soon. Um, You can get in there for just $3 or more. There are many different tiers, but um, we're blogging there almost every day now. So fun. No, the Patreon has suddenly been
1: enlivened, and it's really good, so check it check out. Check it out,
2: patreon.com uh, slash everything is fine. I'm really good. I'm still recovering from a birthday party I went to over the weekend, which I thought was just, it was a 60th birthday party, and like, I thought, okay, this is just going to be a normal situation, like a 60th birthday party, but instead, they were serving alcoholic slushies. <laughs> It was a hot day, a little froze, a little fro. I mean, it was like a gin slushy, and I'll tell you, like I had because I've really been like monitoring my drinking lately. Like I just not monitoring lately. Like I just don't want to be drunk. Like it's just not a space I want to be. So I was really careful. I had like one and a half, and I was like, "Whoa, that's fucking strong." But other moms and dads did not have my same reaction. <laughs> People were fucking crunk. I'd never seen (laughs) like 50 and 60 year olds like this in a long time. They were hilarious. That's hilarious. It was like a wild party. It's like we forgot we were moms and dads. And it was really like a lot of like just people letting loose, saying how they really felt it was really funny and fun. And I hadn't been to such a fun party in, I mean, you know, I went to your wedding. I'm not talking about weddings, but I'm talking about just like a backyard party. I Mm -hmm. hadn't been to something like that. I think since I was like 35, that sounds like heaven. It really was It (laughs) It sounds so fun.
1: I mean the, 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 you know, mortifyingly drunk part, maybe less so, but it sounds really funny and fun. And like the type of thing that would be like, um, The premise of like a fantasy sci-fi movie, (laughs) like it begins with a bunch of adults going completely out of control, drunk at a party. (laughs) And then the next thing you know,
2: AI is ruling everything oh totally or like or like also we could have just all been murdered it was just like we were so we were so like drunk and stupid and silly i mean i i was not but um it was also like really good like outside food like i had um i made i made deviled eggs which i always make and, and and i saw that you made deviled eggs and i want you to know we share an affection for deviled eggs it's a very specific kind of person
1: who loves a deviled egg like <laughs> If it's on a menu, I will get it.
2: Unless I'm on, a, it's some fusion
1: restaurant and they're doing all sorts of crazy shit to it, then I won't get it.
2: Yeah, I don't want to see a pomegranate seed on a, no. on a deviled egg, but I do. I do love a de- deviled egg generally. Um, but yeah, that was that was really just like again, like uh, fun. I've been trying to chase or not chase, but when the fun is there, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to be really present for it and. It was really fun. People were silly. Well, fun is nutritious. Yes, yes, yes. It's so important. Just like laughing about being old is really cathartic.
1: <laughs> no, it really is. It definitely makes it all feel better. It's true. Yeah. So that was that was super fun. How was your week? Oh, my week was fine. You know, quiet. It's been quiet. Everything feels very quiet since the wedding. Yeah. But yeah. in a in a good way. And I'm trying to get ahead of a couple projects. You know, it's just raining here, raining, raining, raining.
2: Yeah. 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 See, we've sort of just busted out of that. We had months of that. And now it's like, whoa, sunshine and 75 degrees. This is fantastic. You yeah, know. It
1: makes such a difference. It makes such a fucking difference when the weather is good. It really does. Now now listen, I want to get a little real here. Okay, go. For a minute with a yes. recommendation. Okay, go. Um, we're gonna talk about painful sexual intercourse.
2: Oh, oh, it's a little early in the episode. But <laughs> I thought I'd dive right in. Let's dive right in. Let's dive right in.
1: I, you know, every time I went to see my gynecologist since my, you know, menopause started happening, Mm -hmm. she would ask me, is sex painful? Mm -hmm. And I would say, no, thank God, not yet. Okay. I went to go see her. I went to go see her a little while ago and she's like, is sex painful? And I was like, yes, indeed, sex is painful okay, okay, it, and I realize this is a no duh for a lot of you, and a lot of you have already you know probably do this, but I um she gave me this estrogen cream, which is something that even if you even if you've had cancer using it externally is fine if okay. you have any concerns about it,
0: the okay. external
1: use is fine, and you apply it to your like you know vaginal area oh, the vulva, the vulva well, you actually interestingly okay the Mm -hmm. With me, and I think it's probably true of many people, like she was like, which part hurts? What, what inside of you hurts? Mm -hmm. And I told her where it hurt. And she said, that's called the vestibule. Okay. The vestibule (laughs) comes right before all the other big business. Okay. Okay. So you put it.
2: Oh, that makes sense. Like the foyer. (laughs) Exactly.
1: The foyer. So you put it there. It takes a little while to work. You Mm -hmm. know, you've got to do it every night religiously for about a month, a month and a half, but then sex stops hurting.
2: Wow. Wow. So you would say this over, I mean, and maybe in addition to lube. Lube doesn't take care of the problem. The pain.
1: Okay. Okay. The pain. It's like, if I can be so frank. Yeah, you may. It's, it's like getting fucked by a porcupine dick. A little bit.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. So you could have all
1: the lube in the world and it's not going to get rid of that
2: particular it's not going to take down the quills no it's not going (laughs) to take down the quills that's exactly right okay okay oh wow wow so but what you're saying is that there would be different treatments if it if it wasn't the the foyer (laughs) 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 There there would be a different treatment to say like so I've had pain around my cervix during sex depending on the the size of the penis the thrust the position whatever I wonder if there are different kinds of treatments or if that's just a, a size thing but this is this is interesting I wonder if there are different treatments for different different areas of sexual pain or where you'd put it if you'd put a suppository or something if you were having pain internally yeah no I and I don't know the answer to that yeah interesting interesting we should this is another one of those
1: perhaps an expert <laughs> perhaps an expert should shine some
2: light on this area we know nothing about not well some some about but you know i mean i've had a lot of i've had some really good experiences with um cannabis lube we've talked about that on the podcast before me too me too but this is this seems next level but i'm so happy for you that you've solved a really annoying issue
1: when when sex sexual intercourse starts hurting you really, like, I felt so hopeless about it, yeah. you know, and, and, and just like, okay, well, that was a fun chapter of my life. Oh, God. You know, like, I really felt that way. Is this the way it's going to feel all the time? And I've yeah. got to say, I, I, and I don't know, maybe, I'm sure there are other homeopathic remedies and things that help, but, you know, I, I am, I had this dog walker once mm-hmm. who um, told me that she didn't believe in Western medicine at all for years. Okay. And then she got a headache and she didn't have whatever her homeopathic remedy was. And someone gave her some Advil and it worked really fast. Right. And she was like, I love Western medicine. I was like, this, in this case, I'm like, I'm such a fan of Western medicine at this
2: moment. No, I mean, look, I think there are all kinds of things you could, there's like Ayurvedic thing. There's like all kinds of things you can do. There's like, you know, uh, there's like meditations on your yoni. I don't fucking know, you know, (laughs) but like if something works, it works. And also like you're a newlywed and you, you know, you want sex to be working.
1: (laughs) You want it to be working. You don't want to feel like, okay, this, this is busted, which is how it felt. Like this is busted up. It's back in the garage. No one ever takes it out anymore. (laughs)
2: Busted vagina. Just <laughs> really renaming the podcast. It's a real, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real. Um, Yeah. It's funny the the menopause journey, I'm still like, so I am, I think I'm like nine months since my last period, which is like, oh my God, maybe it's like almost to the end. But this week, I've been, I'm on hormone replacement therapy. I, you know, I take all the supplements that I'm supposed to take. I get some acupuncture and I haven't gotten in a while. I'm going to have to go back in. This week has been a fucking nightmare. I don't know why I've been shedding hair. I've been like weirdly crampy and sore and tired and hot flashes and like all of it fucking come and like fucking weird tongue shit, like tongue shit. Yes. It's like this weird, like fire mouth tongue. I forget what it's called. But like. Is that true?
0: Yes. Your mouth gets really hot? Yes. It's just
2: like, it's not that, it's like called burning tongue, I think it is. Like if you really look up these like list of things, like if you're in this stage of life, this perimenopausal stage of life, And you're like, what's going on? And you look up the symptom, and you look up the symptom you have plus perimenopause. I guarantee you it will be like, yes, frozen shoulder, which I've also had this week. Like, it's just such a fucking roller coaster because I really thought last month I was feeling so great and I was like, I'm out. Like, this is fantastic. And then this week it's just like, like, I just feel like sweaty all the time. My neck was just sweating for no reason. Yeah. Beads of sweat on my fucking neck. Weird. <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> it's strange to be walking and having a conversation with somebody like a other a normie who is not going through perimenopause and you're just suddenly like sweat neck.
1: Like it's- I, I, I do have something I have to tell you though. Yes. It doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't end when you h- hit menopause. <laughs> oh. It doesn't end. I'm just
2: saying like, I, 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 there's still some shit. (sighs) I mean, I'm sure there's still some shit. This feels like a very big science experiment, but maybe it's just, is going to always feel like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, but yeah, but I'm glad I always am happy when somebody like like solves one of these issues for themselves, no matter, because even if it won't work for me or I'm not having that experience at this time, I'm just like, yay, you know, here we go. Somebody's getting it right. No, there was, it was a solution.
1: It was yes. a problem. It was a problem. And it turned out to have a really simple solution. Totally,
2: totally. Um, I had this thought the other day, which has nothing to do with anything, but I was thinking about a decision I made like three years ago. And I was like, God, that was a stupid decision. What the fuck was wrong with me? I can't believe my head space. And I realized something, which is that aging and getting older is just this feeling of disbelief of like, I was just an idiot. Like it's always, (laughs) oh, I was, I was, I can't (laughs) believe what an idiot I just was. And it's, it's just again and again, I suspect forever. It's why Older women write into the podcast when they hear me talking and they're like, Jesus Christ, she's an idiot. Like somebody who's 65 (laughs) is like, what the fuck are you? Because you just, you get wiser- and it's, it's like every year, it's incremental. You get wiser every single year and you can't believe yourself like six months ago. It's crazy. Oh, I can't believe myself
1: three days ago. I know. With me, it's always, almost always something I said. Yes. You know, not something I did, not a decision I made, although I made some Lulu's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been waiting to use the word Lulu, but it's almost as though I was.
2: <laughs> Oh, really? I really was like, she's been, she's been, had that in her pocket. Like that's, that's the (laughs) word. No,
1: I've made some bad decisions, but it's almost always, I can still think of certain things that happened 15, 20 years ago. And like things I said that I, that just, I want, I wish like a hole would open up in the ground and I could fall through it.
2: No, I mean, I can tell now that I'm making decisions that I'm going to regret, like in real time. And (laughs) they usually revolve around beef, like just like beef with other people, resentments, just like pettiness. It's usually pettiness that I can't get over for some reason. Like I can't, I I just am like, oh, fuck that person. And like that is, that fuck that person is, never leads to anything good. No, it's the,
1: you know, the, the, the great saying, holding on to anger is like taking poison and
2: waiting for the other person to die. Totally. Totally. And, but at the same time, I feel like there's a part of me that feels like, who would I even be without
1: it? Well, I was about to say, like, anger gives me life sometimes. Yes. But it's knowing what kind of anger You know, there's anger that can be motivating and galvanizing. And there's anger that is only going to be corrosive.
2: I guess. I guess. And we've tried to have this conversation before because there's no answer to it, right? I mean, there's no, like, I... (sighs) What, I mean, what do you do with assholes? Like, that is really the question. Because the question is, like, so many people just misbehave and just are like, they, they're they're not self-aware enough to just sort of be in the world or they, they fuck you over. And, like, are you supposed to have compassion for those people? Because I can see what people's motivations are when they're, they're fucking around. I mean – And I would want compassion if I wasn't self-aware enough or I was still on like a journey of self-discovery or whatever. But like, I have a hard time with that initial compassion because I I immediately go to what the fuck is wrong with you, which is not my greatest trait. I understand. It makes
1: me think of, and we've talked about this on the show before, the loving kindness meditation. Yes. (laughs) Which is so hard. You start out and you think of, I'm, I'm probably getting this slightly wrong, but you think of someone you love and care about. Then you yes. think of somebody you have, you know, neutral feelings for, and then somebody who you maybe have complicated feelings for. Yes. You try to bring compassion to all of these people. And then the last rung on the ladder is having compassion for somebody you really have trouble with. Yes. And sometimes I can do that. And sometimes I can't do that. That's yeah. just sort of how it feels. It, it, and sometimes I can have compassion. Like I was talking to you about somebody recently and you said, oh, but these are their circumstances. Yes. You know, you got to have some compassion, and I was like, "Yes," but I think that person might also be an asshole. Yes. In, in addition, in addition, and
2: and that's just true a lot of the time. Yeah, and it is true a lot of the time, and it's also a situation of like, oh, I don't know. It's, the problem is for me is that I can't be neutral. It's just like I, my I, my everything's written on my face. I have a very difficult time being what I consider to be f- a fake. You know, I even had an argument with my husband this week because I just said a very blunt thing to him that hurt his feelings. I wasn't wrong, but I just, I just like blurted out the thing like, well, you can't do that. You know, that's, that's not going to work. And he was like, what the fuck? And I was like, but I told you the truth, but sometimes people don't want the truth. It's a mess. Well, and it goes back
1: to what we were talking about. It's a live episode about the whole idea of being a bitch thinking of yourself as a bitch, people, other people thinking of you as a bitch and what a bitch really is. And sometimes a bitch is just somebody who is honest and maybe in not the ideal tone of voice.
2: Yes. There we go. <laughs> and, and without using the, the without using yeah, I, I statements. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um uh, Speaking of people who are not as nice as they, they pretended to be, which we were not, but um, we were both excited to talk about John Mulaney this week. Oh my God, that's special,
1: Baby, Baby J. J. I think it's on Netflix, right? It is on Netflix, and it is. I've always liked John Mulaney, um, but he does something. He 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 goes to a different place in this one because since his last special, he got divorced, went to rehab, um, and he talks about a lot of it. He doesn't talk about the divorce and he doesn't talk yeah. about his new relationship, really. He mentions his baby, but he talks a great deal about rehab and his intervention. Yes. Which, and I almost like I, I, I was trying to take notes as I was watching it. Like, I got to mention this line. I got to mention this line. Yes. But I don't want to mention any lines because because you guys just have to experience this. It, 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 it was so. And the way he talked as somebody who has lost the thread in life. Yes. When he was talking about the intervention. I found it almost painful because I could, you know, I, I, I've never been the subject of an intervention, but I did like, you know, I did lose the thread in a meaningful way and all, and my friends and family got together to discuss what to do about it. And the way he reacts to the people at the intervention is so true to a person who's in pain and denial that I found it almost hard to
2: watch. So yes, I I found it hard to watch too in some ways, but I mean that was sort of the mastery of it, right? So so we should mm-hmm. first say like I I was before I was going to watch this show. I I think we need to acknowledge this. You know, I was like, is John Mulaney canceled? How what how are we feeling about John Mulaney? He he did invite Dave Chappelle to open for him. Yeah. Dave Chappelle in this show told many transphobic jokes. You know whether you decide to attach that to John Mulaney or not. Some people have. I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason that I was kind of able to to watch the show and what one of the reasons I was curious about it was because. I thought what he did in this show was interesting and I wanted to watch somebody do it, which is John Mullaney was somebody that was so revered, especially by generations younger than us. You know, he's a wife guy, he's a sweetheart, he's squeaky clean, you know, he's, he's all of these things and he comes out in this, in this special and he says, "Likeability is a jail and look, I'm actually kind of a prick. And I I think that this, I I think what he does there is interesting. And he's like talking about self-loathing. He's talking about, you know, you know what? Nobody, he was talking about cancel culture a little bit. And he was like, nobody can do anything worse to me than I would do to myself, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, You know, cancel John Mulaney. I'll kill him. You know, (laughs) but he's really breaking down the persona and this projection we we put on two famous people you know this projected identity and sounds like he was an asshole selfish i mean addicts are selfish as fuck addicts i mean i i saw it slightly differently he was okay. absolutely an
1: asshole yeah. i think because i personally found like a a, a through line you know a, something i related to in it i yeah. saw it more as him showing how fucking human he was and yes. because and or just how he showed the humanity of the addict yes. to me. And and because I could see when he he's making these, you know, ridiculous statements to the people at his intervention. Yeah. And I all I could think was like he's the one in the room in pain.
2: Yes. Yes. I I I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, does that justify poor judgment um in in sobriety? No. No. I think that he is so smart and obviously so tortured. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, like very many smart people are. Like comedians. and, And comedians, writers, you know, just creative people. And it's a it's a it's a really it's a it's it's a really gorgeous like hour and a half and it went by like a yeah. fucking lightning bolt. You know, it's mu- it's longer than most comedy specials but the pacing is and just to watch somebody have crafted something like this that's bringing you in and then making you laugh and then it's very painful and tender but it's also ugly. I mean, it, that's that's interesting. And I love the way he chose to end it,
1: which doesn't spoil anything for anyone. He 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 reads from a Q&A he did for GQ magazine oh. that he does not remember ever giving. Oh my god. And he the way he like he's like, you know, he he so tells on himself. I don't yes. know what, I'm, you know, he he yes. he's, you know, he 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 made himself look like he, he he was like, yes, if you think everyone in Hollywood is a, a, a you know, arrogant, manic asshole, like based on
2: me, you're right. You know? Yeah. The other thing, the other comedy I saw this week, um, which if nobody knows Sarah Schaefer, I went to see a Sarah Schaefer show. She is this, this comedian who's been this female comic who's been around for, you know, I think like 20 years has never really broken through in like a major, major way. And she did this show, this like one woman show about not breaking through and about Mm -hmm. what, what that looks like. And it was a very small venue. It was the Elysian theater here. And, um, she's just a genius. And I, I don't really know how to talk about it more, but it like, was talking about like her inner heckler. And it like, it it was like, it was like, it was like a fake Scientology course. It was really (laughs) just like, it was so smart and she was so good. And, um, I want to have her on the show. She was really amazing. Um, that's that's the stuff I've been doing. Um I've also been thinking you go. Your well, turn. Well, oh, well I was thinking about this show that I watched um
1: which I like. You know, Paul is really into he, he he likes sci-fi and fantasy, a category that I had effectively avoided my entire life and have no interest in. But I watch shows with him sometimes, like I watched Watchmen, which only had one season, which was really amazing, and The Leftovers, mm-hmm. which is fantasy mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, leftovers a great is show. Great. Yeah. So Damon Lindelof, the guy who did those shows, started a show called Mrs. Davis. Yes, and it stars Betty Gilpin, who was in our friend
2: Liz's show, Glow, Glow, and, and who is just amazing. She was also in Roar, um, Liz's show, Roar. Like Betty Gilpin is the best, and, and and a very talented writer on top of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. She
1: plays a nun. I can't explain it very well because I don't understand it very well. She plays yes. a nun. The world is in the thrall of an AI algorithm. Yes. Okay. She is the only person who will not speak to the algorithm. And she has been summoned to find the Holy Grail, the literal Holy Grail, so that she could, that is somehow going to make the AI no longer rule the world. Right. Right. Okay. And it's just a crazy fucking show it's just a crazy fucking show, but she like, not just any actress could like take on this crazy role and she does it so well. I think she probably
2: is a little nuts, you know, like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she looks amazing. She looks amazing in it. Like, and her habit is a jumpsuit, which (laughs) is just like, like, it's like a culottes jumpsuit. I don't know if you picked that up. Like it just makes her such like a, um, no. And she's so tough and her face like is uh, amazing to watch. I mean, I watched the, I watched the pilot of it and I was like, I don't know if I'll watch more of this because of what you, just cause the sci-fi element, I don't know, but it's also a beautiful show. It's like a Mm -hmm. very, like the production is gorgeous. I thought, you know, totally recommend that show. I think it's good. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? and we're back. Uh, Speaking of recommendations, because I have a list of recommendations that we have for this week, and this is the last one on it. I have been very into dry shampoo lately. I think that everybody, if you are losing your hair, please don't uh, sleep on dry shampoo because you can't wash your hair very often at this age. You just cannot be washing your fucking hair because it's just falling out all over the place. Like, You have to keep that wash going for like four or five days. You know, when you have a bummer thing to tell a friend
1: and you're (laughs) kind of psyched to tell them, (laughs) you're like, they didn't know this thing. I'm about to tell them and bum them out. Okay. Yes. Go dry. Dry shampoo can make your hair fall out. (gasps) Yeah. Because, because what people do is they keep putting it in and it, it gets in the way of, of, of nutrients that have to get into your scalp. (gasps) oh <gasps> google it guys oh my god so my tip for not losing hair <laughs> well i think it's okay to use it i think you just got it you got to shampoo it out otherwise and you got to have times you don't have it in because otherwise your hair doesn't get the nutrition it needs oh my your scalp doesn't get your the nutrition. Scalp in. yes
2: yes Wow. Okay. You're blowing my mind up now. Okay. So let's t- just cancel my recommendation and listen to Kim <laughs> <laughs> or use it, but use it. I mean, because dry shampoo is really handy. If you use it every yes. once in a while, I don't think your hair is going to fall out. If you're a compulsive user of it, then i have that- been going crazy. Maybe that's why I've been, maybe that's why my hair has been like, I've been like shedding again. I don't know. I don't know if it would happen that fast. Who knows? It's been like a month. <laughs> <laughs> It's been like a month where I was like never washing my hair again.
1: <laughs> I, I, I I, could have told you this off show. I could have I, sent you a text. We text all week.
2: But I don't somehow care. I like- love it. <laughs> oh, somehow you were like, you knew what we were going to talk about this on the show and you were going to bomb me with it. Yes. What's wrong with me? <laughs> oh, you're a sadist. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, don't don't use dry shampoo. I take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> use it. Just use it moderately. Moderately. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. Um, all right. Well, listen, should we get into listener questions? Oh, by the way, listeners, next week we're going to have – I'm going to put it on social media. We're going to have a call-in number where you can actually ask us questions on our Google – Answering machine, answering service with your real voice. With your real voice. We want to start doing segments where listeners, where we bring listener voices into the show. So next week, and I'll put this on social media and I'll put it in the show notes. We're going to have a call in number. You can call us. You can ask us questions there. We will play them on air and we will then answer those questions on air. How fun. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, it's just all in, you know, typing and paper. Hmm. All right. Would you care to go first? Questions. Okay. Here's our first
1: question. How much does it really hurt to get a tattoo? I'm almost 51 and my daughter wants to get matching tattoos, very small on our wrists. Tell me the truth. Is it worth it? Um, What I would say to that is that it depends on where on your body. Yes. You want to get the tattoo, the closer it is to a bone, the more it's going to hurt. So the wrist would actually be a a medium painful tattoo place. But if you're just getting a tattoo somewhere where there isn't
2: really bone, it feels like a bikini wax or less even. It doesn't hurt at all. I mean, and I've gotten, all of mine are stick and poke and I think they're supposed to hurt more and they didn't, it didn't hurt. I look, the problem is, is that you're going to get addicted to getting tattoos and you're just going to be like, oh, once you, cause once you break the seal, then you're like more, more tattoos. And then you get yourself into trouble. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's
1: not having the tattoo that's the thing. It's the getting the tattoo. And you become a little addicted to the experience of going and doing it.
2: Because it's so intimate. It's well, I mean, mine were all done by hot young men. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this is a this is a very sexy experience I'm <laughs> having right now. <laughs> and then you get one tattoo that you regret. What eventually happens is you get the you get the one where you're like, uh, oh, I didn't need that tattoo. Yeah.
1: No, it happens. I've got one or two that I would, you know, if, if, if getting them removed
2: wasn't so colossally painful. That's it. That's that I it. would consider getting removed. And then I look at it and I'm like, could I get it covered? That's just going to make this whole situation worse. So much worse. <laughs> I got a tattoo covered though. You did? Oh, yeah. that's right. You did. You got the horseshoe covered. I got the horseshoe covered.
1: It turned into a snake. I liked the horseshoe. I don't understand what was wrong with the horseshoe. The horseshoe had was sort of vaguely had to do with my marriage. Oh, my first marriage. So I didn't, it, it, it reminded me of that. And even though I could never see it cause it was on my shoulder blade, I also wouldn't have gotten a tattoo on my shoulder blade.
2: Yeah. Cause that's yeah. a pretty
1: part of a woman's body. I mean, no, 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 you know, nothing on people who get them there. It just, I would have liked that to remain kind of not, not yeah. Like free, just skin, just skin. But my, my, I got this, I got this tattoo, my stupidest tattoo Tell I me. got, I think I got it for a good reason which okay. was that I was reading this, you know, letter, I th- I'm going to get this wrong, letter from a Birmingham prison written by Martin Luther King. And okay. he talks a lot about having seen fire hoses, you know, mm-hmm. fired at children mm-hmm. and all the other crap that he's seen that's been yeah. horrible, but that he still believes, is, believes in love and he'll stick with love every time. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I decided I wanted a tattoo that said, choose love, because I found mm-hmm. that really meaningful. Yeah. But now I have a tattoo that, tattoo that says, choose love. And it's not like I can say, oh, by the way, it was because <laughs> of this Martin Luther King thing that I have this. It, 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 it. No. So <laughs> it's, it's just kidding. there, a dumb tattoo that says, choose love on my wrist. What am I going to do? I got these birds on
2: my arm, and I didn't because the thing is about tattoos—you don't know what they're going to look like, like in different positions of your body. (laughs) True, and like sometimes, like the birds look very cute and normal, and sometimes they just look like these giant, flabby, like aging birds. Like (laughs) if I flex my arm, they're disgusting. (laughs) I hate them so fucking much. I look at, and they're right there. Like it's a bad place for a tattoo. It's like right on my forearm. I cannot avoid looking at it, and like. I hate it. 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 And like, also it like symbolizes monogamy and which I wasn't thinking about. And like, sometimes I'm like thinking about my husband. I'm like, look at this fucking tattoo. Like, it's just like, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's like a tat, like, like a, like a love prison on my arm. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I haven't figured out what to cover it with yet, but, um, but yeah, covering is tricky because you end up getting something bigger. Yes. Yes. Although I will say like, I've been seeing some very big tattoos on women lately and being like, that is a cool, like that is like, I've been wanting to go bold, but see, I always, I- you just don't know what you're going to regret. I thought getting them older would mean that I wouldn't regret them, but like you still live years. Like you still.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, you know, who knows how I'll feel when I'm 75, but I, my, my biggest tattoo is my favorite tattoo. Oh, you have that cool, the Liberty of London tattoo, that one, the flowers. Yeah, that's a good tattoo.
2: That's a good tattoo. It's
1: nice. It needs some
2: touch-ups. That's the other thing about tattoos. You got to go do the touch-ups. Well, if you get them in color, I won't get color tattoos because I'm afraid that they'll make my, because you know how I dress like a clown and I cannot have like a bright colored tattoo that would then clash with every fucking thing I ever wear.
1: Once a few years ago, when nail art was still a thing, Mm -hmm. I went out, I went and got some silly nail art with like Mm -hmm. snakes on it or something. And I saw my older brother, Mike, that night and he was like, aren't the tattoos enough? (laughs) Oh, that's such shame.
2: You're just like, just look at me, okay? Does it doesn't <laughs> like please. Does it not obvious that I need attention? Like <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, okay. Would I be screaming it any louder? Exactly. Sorry. Um, okay. Okay, another question. I attended the live show and was able to witness the admiration Kim has towards her mom. But I also remember Kim talking about her mom's shortfalls in motherhood. At what age were you able to forgive her and move on to your current relationship status? I totally understand if you decline to engage. It might be a tad too personal to share. Nonetheless, I'm intrigued. Um I mean, I a year ago, 6 months ago,
1: yesterday. <laughs> like it's hard to say, you know. I think that at, when I reached my 50s, I real And my mother was getting into her late 70s, early 80s. I realized, like, number one, she's an excellent grandmother. Yeah, She's really there for my nephews and has relationships with them that are so different than the relationship I had with any of my grandparents. Yep. And they yep. really know each other. And she really, you know, she puts in the time. And then, you know, a lot of it was, you know, trying to have some empathy for her. Yeah, And whatever she was going to. And then finally, just realizing like she's not going to change. Like she, however she is, like this is just the person she is. It's why I could, you know, not flip out about the pink and purple. And so it begins neon sign because I, I, I think she is, I mean, I, I, I like her and I think that was a big part of it too. When I realized that I liked her, um, then I think our relationship
2: changed. Do you think that she's taken accountability for – because I feel like a lot of this has to do with accountability and how much they're able to take about what happened in your childhood. I feel like that helps a lot, you know? No, and she does. She does. She has very
1: specific, very painful memories of not being there for me when I was a kid. And I remember laying into her – I was in my 40s, I think. I remember where I was just laying into her about the ways she wasn't there for me. And she's like, you know what, Kim? I have felt bad about that for long enough.
2: Yeah. I've heard her say statute of limitations on like parental, parental crimes. Yep. You know, and
1: I feel like, you know, that used to just piss me off because I'd say I'm only beginning to feel my real anger about it. But I know that my mother felt real and sincere sadness and regret and shame over how she raised us. And she wasn't absent. She was just not, you know, we were, we were, we were wild animals. We, you know, we raised ourselves.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, obviously my mom's situation is a little, maybe a little more complicated. Um, I think that you can, you can forgive and still feel sore Yep, and that the soreness might never, depending on the, the, whatever the issues were and whatever the sort of uh, shortfalls as this, as this uh, listener says were, um, and how severe they were, you might never get over Grieving the childhood you didn't have.
1: Right. And 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 the whole expression forgive and forget is is unrealistic.
2: It's yeah. It's and, just and, unrealistic. You don't forget. You may forgive. You don't forget. And I, you know, I have a lot of compassion for both of my parents. And I know, like, how the fuck could you know how to be a parent at when you weren't even a legal adult? Like, I get right. it. There's a nobody's asking, nobody asked me, but I'm just gonna say there's like so much stuff tenderness for me but also soreness and also I don't know that my parents have ever really seen my pain at least adequately for me like mm-hmm. it has not been adequate so I have I forgive them and I love them and I love them in the present and it's my job to deal with the past we're never going to have resolution about the past because you yep. know my mom's attitude is like I remember like bringing some shit up at 42 and she was like you're 42 get over it and I was like, "Not yet, sorry." <laughs> you know, and I, I have, I, I get that.
1: I get so that I. so much. Like that anger, that like you know, wait, you know, you were not there to protect me, kind yeah. of feeling. And at the same time, I think if a, per- you know, that I, I know people who still blame everything on their parents, yes, or yes. their childhood, and yes. I feel like that's unacceptable in all but the most like, you know, really.
2: It's just, it's like everybody's on their own journey, let's say with this stuff. But I know as a parent and how much I have to take accountability every goddamn day. And it doesn't matter if I was wrong or right, or my child was this or, you know, whatever. I get called out all the time by my kid. And it's like that rupture and repair. I'm constantly repairing. I just feel like, I feel like apologies are free and accountability is fairly easy What it does is accountability brings up a lot of shame and that's your shit to deal with, you know, like I, but at the same time, I understand your mom's position of being like, can we just move on so we can have a relationship? Like how much longer are we going to have, have together to have this relationship? Can we, you know, and that
1: is what it comes down to. And the other part of it is that the anger ebbs and flows, you know, it really depends on what's going on in your life. Yeah. And if you're feeling, and I was, when my mother and I had that talk, like nothing was going right and nothing ever was, I really felt like, you know, I lay this at the feet of you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is not, you know, we do have to take, we also, they have to take accountability, but we also have to take accountability. We are adults and we are not going to be reparented by them in midlife. It's just not, it's like, we get to do that for ourselves. They can't do that. That's over. Yeah. You know, we got what we got and that's over. So it's like, how do you bring this sort of like mess of memories and, you know, anger and everything? How do you sort of bring that into the present and try to have a relationship? I don't, I don't know, but this is an interesting question we could probably talk about for hours. Okay. I will ask the next one. Um, What do you think of Anna Wintour, the devil or icon? Well, I interestingly, um... Just did an episode of, um, the other podcast I did stiffed about her. Like I really did a deep dive into who she was as a younger woman. Um, cause she worked at that porn magazine Viva that that podcast is about. She was the fashion and beauty editor, one of them, um, mm-hmm. She was an asshole then too. <laughs> like, I believe it. She was a jerk. She was always kind of a pretentious jerk, but she had a lot of vision and she, you know, she just had a lot of drive and a lot of vision. And there's some part of me that has to like, all respect. I just don't think I, she would be very fun to know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that she is both an icon and the devil. She just, she just is. She, I, I've heard, you know, I'm, I'm, I heard too many stories. Yeah. About how she treated her assistants. Yep. Oh yes. And yes. there is something very particular when you know you're batting down or you're punching down. She punches oh. down, and I, you know, I was not a perfect boss, but I really tried not to do that shit. Not yeah. always successfully, but I don't think I, I, I wasn't. Yeah. Um. I, it's funny because the Met Ball was last night. It yeah. will have been a week ago, and I was, I was, I went to the Met Ball a couple times. She's crazy to me. And early, I mean, you know, in the two, early 2000s, yeah. before it was quite the big deal it is now, it was still a big deal. But um, I was with my boss, James, mm-hmm. and um, you walk up the steps and then you are to go through the receiving line. And the receiving line is Anna and whoever's hosting the event with her. Wow. Which the first year I went was Caroline Kennedy. Wow! Caroline Kennedy, the daughter of a Kennedy shakes my hand and says, you know, it's very nice. I move on. And I say to James, like, I'm going to go introduce myself to Anna. I had never met her. And he said, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I kind of do. So I run off to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard I, I once read Paulina Porzkova describe this thing that Anna Winter does that she also did to me, which is I said, hi, I'm Kim France, I'm the editor of Lucky. She she didn't say a word to me. She didn't look at me and she didn't not look at me. She made this weird snubbing gesture and moved on. Oh. And I think that from what I heard about people who worked for, with her, that she could make you feel like an absolute mass of hemoglobin really easily. And that's just something I can't, I can't respect as powerful as she is. And I think she's probably one of the most powerful women in the world, you know, even now as magazines are nothing.
2: Right. But at what, at what cost, at what cost? Like that's, that's too much collect. That's too much cost to like, you've hurt too many people. I agree. I agree. And I will say,
1: and then I'm going to stop my shit talking. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I would occasionally during the fashion week. You know, Mm -hmm. there were cars going everywhere and there were always editors who needed a ride. And occasionally, you know, I knew a few people who worked at Vogue and occasionally I'd be in, I would like share
2: my car with them to go to the next show. Mm -hmm.
1: They were all so obsessed with her. It was the first topic they went to.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I tried to interview her former assistants um, from Viva and I I found her, I tracked her down. It was like really hard to track her down. I tracked her down and she would... She was still so scared of Anna Wintour, she wouldn't talk to me on the record. It's amazing. It's amazing. 50, think, 50 years later, she wouldn't talk to me on the record.
1: I think that, that is the that is the really dangerous part of it. Is that you also like, I know how people, nobody would ever leave Vogue, no matter how miserable they were, because it was like the New York Times, where are you gonna go? Yeah. You
0: know,
1: that that was the whole attitude. And so they stuck it out in this place that sounded like, you know miserable
2: yeah yeah no i know i know i know it's interesting though because it gets into like the idea of female power like if she was a man would we be having this kind of conversation you know no but that doesn't make it okay that doesn't make it okay and don't we expect better from women yeah well don't we expect better from fucking everybody but like and that idea that like only I know best. That top-down management style—it's so dated at this point. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, it, 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 sure, it made her successful, but like I said, like at what cost? And like, what's great about that? Yeah, there's nothing great about that because I don't think she was that great to Andre Leon Talley either. Like, no,
1: she was really not. In the you end, know? yeah, he was paying. He was paying for car service to drive him into the city to help her with her fittings
2: fuck that. She wasn't even sending a car for him. And I'm sure, you know, people who know her intimately, but look, I couldn't find one. I, I I couldn't find one that that was like you know what actually you've you've missed it here. <laughs> like, well, you know you know it's interesting because I read her biography
1: that Amy O'Dell wrote that came out. Oh yeah, Anna. This year. It's really good. Yeah, it's a really good biography. But she made a conscious choice not to go the like you know gossipy bitchy route with her. Yeah, but to like treat her like a a really important business person. Which and, fair, fair? Which is fair? I mean, I miss the gossipy stuff that would have been fun, but I I understood why she and Anna co- cooperated with her. Anna gave her all these people to talk to. Yes, yes. but I think you know what that ensured
2: was that we weren't getting the other side of the story too. I think that's right, and I think that you know, look, being sort of Machiavellian and you know being a very shrewd business person, it's going to get you a lot of success. Like you know, and and she had enough. I think she had more business savvy or has more business savvy than she even had fashion talent, honestly. Oh, for sure. Right. And I think, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the, the, that's the thing on her. Um, I just, uh, I wouldn't want that. (laughs) Well, I always, I always said that or thought
1: that because when James Truman left Condé Nast there, then they needed to hire a new create a new, um, editorial director, I thought, mm-hmm. they could very well give this job to Anna. They didn't at the time. They gave it to her later. And I thought, I'll have to leave my job. I really thought like there's just, there was no way I I was a square peg and she was a round hole and there was yeah. no way that was ever going to work. And it wasn't even like a knock on, you know, I mean, we've been knocking her, but it wasn't as much a knock on her as just knowing what I could handle.
2: I don't think we're knocking her. I think we're knocking the, the, the sort of like this kind of success, what this looks yeah. like, like I, you know, her success is unimpeachable and her business savvy is, you know, obvious, like clearly it's just that there's too much collateral damage to my mind. Yep. I agree. Okay. One more question. My very favorite neighborhood, neighborhood shoe store, R.I.P. Amelda's in Portland, Oregon closed this year. How will I possibly find my sandals for this summer? I have weird feet, so it's hard to shop online unless I know the brand well. I need something that goes with everything, but I'm not afraid of color. Lowish because I walk a lot, but can have a small wedge or platform. Also a bonus if you can provide a recommendation for a throw-on to go out the door pair of slides. I am... Um, So first off, I think aerosols are doing a great job this season. Like aerosols has amazing shoes right now. Naturalizer too. I
1: I did, I I actually looked at them a lot because I bought a pair of naturalizer shoes to wear to my wedding, which I ended up not wearing because I changed dresses. But um, really, really comfortable and surprisingly like cool. Yes, yes,
2: yes. And not that expensive either. No, Um, not
1: that expensive.
2: I also think... um, is it sorrel sorrel
1: i don't know how you pronounce it
2: Uh, well whatever s-o-r-e-l they have some really cool like chunky sandals right now that i think Mm -hmm. are are really are excellent um and in terms of slides i don't know i mean it's the the birkenstocks is making a million different kinds of of slides that are super going to be super comfortable for mostly all feet i think yeah
1: no i was going to say birkenstocks too that's really the answer there And a lot of people make Birkenstock-like shoes now, too, that are a little more... I mean, they've gotten more stylish, but then they're also more stylish versions.
2: But yeah, I think, I think if I was, if I was looking for this, I mean, there's also, what is it? Warris Hoffer? those like orthopedic shoes. Oh yeah. The, the ones that had a big moment in the aughts. Yes. And I, I think they're going to have a big moment again is my opinion, but um, Warris Hoffer is also, and they make real, I mean, those shoes are really cute, very French looking. Adorable. Maybe yeah. I'll get some of those before I go to Europe. That's a that's, good idea. That's what I think you should do. And yeah, absolutely. Because actually right now, and I was about to put this on the Patreon, which I will, I'll do it pre this episode you'll get it early everyone. They have an incredible or, or number six clogs has put up like a tie up clog. That's so cute that you so slip cute. right into. Warris for 85 bucks has almost the exact same shoe and they look much more comfortable because they have a cork sole. Right. Right. No,
1: so. Warris are great. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna like fucking go buy some Morris offers when we're done doing this. I, I I'm completely motivated. I
2: think you should. I think you should. And and that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's the show. As uh, it happens. Uh, thanks for listening to Everything Is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini and I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it across the platforms, but especially Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. It really makes a difference to our listenership. If you want to support the production of the show. Please join our Patreon. As I said at the beginning, it's patreon.com slash everything is fine. You can join for just three bucks. Uh, You can join for more if you want. We do live events there. We blog there and we are now doing special bonus episodes there. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram at EIF podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook with a robust and private Facebook group. We're also on LinkedIn for no reason and we don't know why. (laughs) You can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me at tinyletter.com slash Jennifer Romolini, but mostly I'm writing on our Patreon right now. Our show is mixed and edited by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. And we'll be back next week.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music?